South City Hub. Big shout out to Mobile Baymanette campuses. You guys are incredible. Thank you for all you're doing there. And to the, can we give the guys in, in Holman unit, can we give those guys a big hand? Yeah. I need to share something with you before I get into the word. Whether you know this or not, but at our church, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in all nine gifts, and we believe that we do not own the gifts, but they're the Holy Spirit's gifts, and he deposits those when it's time and when it's necessary. I have two words for the church. One is a very general word for the corporate body. It may fit someone in Mobile. It may fit someone in Baymanette. It may fit someone online that's listening to us that's part of this family. So I want to give that one first. The other one is a little more specific word. Here's the word. God wants to challenge you to be part of this fasting and prayer. Here's his promise to you. He says, you are on a journey, and you're traveling, and you're doing your very best to reach a destination to find your purpose. He likens it to you're driving down a six-lane interstate, and you're going with the flow. His promise to you is, during this time of prayer and fasting, or at the end, he's going to narrow the lanes down to a single lane. You are going to see your purpose, and he's going to define it for you. Not only for you does it affect, but it affects everyone in your car, your house. So, I'm encouraging you by the Spirit to do this Find true purpose. Don't necessarily just go with the flow because the traffic's going this way. Whether Even though it's, it's Christianum and you're a believer, but get specific because there is a road, a, a, an, an identity of a road that is designed for you and your family to travel on. Here's the second word. And this word is, and I don't know where you are, and it's okay. I'm hoping if you're in a green room or if you're in, in Mobile in the green room or Baymanette, wherever you are, this is to the singers and musicians of our church. The Spirit of God says to tell you that what he has just done within the last couple days, if not a week, that he has taken the last chain of resistance off of everything that has been purposed and planned for the music and worship in this house. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to these guys because these guys, their ministry is to lead you into worship. And God has spoken over this house 15, 16 years ago that this would be a house that worship would flow out of that would change and flow through the nations. And God has put in my spirit that that last little chain, that last little buckle that you didn't even know was there has just been removed. Can we thank the Lord for that? Thank you so much for being here. I, I know you're busy. I... You know, I, I, got, I, I can't say I got a lot of flack. I got a lot of feedback on being so long this weekend. <laughs> so I just thought I would go ahead and tell you 
for this series, Get Used to It. My heart's heavy, and as a pastor, I have to feed you what's on my heart, okay? This, this five-week series, yeah, this five-week series, Kingdom Culture, this is the second message. This weekend coming up, we are going to focus on your children and blessing children as they go back to school and all those things. But the primary purpose of this weekend, and I'm not sure of the title, I think the title is probably going to be uh, What to Do with a Life. And I'm going to be hitting abortion because we're pro-life. And I'm going to be looking at your children and their life and what you can do to help your children thrive in a culture that we don't agree with. Okay? So you, you definitely want to be here, and we're going to pray over our children. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I want to throw... I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm at the point where I don't really care anymore. Um, <laughs> the next weekend... Because I only have five messages in this, and there's some topics that the Lord's put on my heart. The next weekend, which would be two weekends from this weekend, I'm going to be talking about issues that uh, it, it will be rated PG-13, okay? But, that, but anyone 13 and older, you need to probably be there, and you need to listen to this message. Because, and and I, I'm not sure, but I'm almost sure that the subtitle of this message will be Sex Tricks. Because I'm going to show you how God designed sex and how the snare affects everything we do, okay? So I'm going there. I'm just telling you. I'm letting you out. I'm letting you know what the Word says, okay? Now, everybody still breathing? Yes. We di you didn't just suck the air out of the room, did you? Okay. <laughs> All right, this message, what to do when you need a miracle, okay? This, this, what, what I'm going to give you in, in just a minute is just really... I'm going to give you four ingredients of a miracle, and you're going to say, well, that, that's just so simple. I'm telling you, it's simple. It's really simple. So I want to start off with, if you were to look up miracle, defined, you're going to, hear, you're going to read something like this, depends on the dictionary you look in, a marvelous event manifesting a supernatural act of a divine agent. Now, Webster's not going to say the agent, but we, we know the agent's God. For a believer... Here's a loose definition of a miracle. When God does something that no one else can do, that's a miracle. For most believers, we would say that we believe in miracles, but that's not what I want to talk to you about. We would say generically that many of us believe in miracles, and, 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 but that that's not the question. The question is, can God do your miracle? It would be like saying, well, okay, God loves the world. Does God love the world? Well, yes, well, does God love me? That's the question. Can God do my miracle that I need? Most of us would say yes, but there are many believers, many believers that don't believe in miracles. They believe they were for a season and a time. Some believe that, that God doesn't do miracles anymore. Now, Jesus drew multitudes. He became famous for doing miracles, and, and of course it got him killed, but he, he, the, he, he became famous with the people, but the Pharisees became furious when he would do miracles. When he, lays, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they went ballistic. When he healed someone on the Sabbath, they went all religious on him, you know, and, and furious at all his miracles. 
in the book of Daniel, where this whole series is based out of, the story of Daniel, he's a man of God. He is an incredible example. Do you know that he is one of the very few people in the Bible that nothing is said bad about him? Moses, we know he's got an anger problem. David, we know, we know he had a, a lust problem. We know, you know, uh, Paul had a problem. Uh, uh, Peter had a problem. All these guys. You, you're not going to find that about Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 2, he gets himself into a circumstance that he has, he has to absolutely have a miracle or he's going to die. So let me back up for the weekend just a minute and just take a paragraph. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Daniel right now. And they're in slavery. They're out of Israel. They're in Babylon. Daniel and the three Hebrews have been taken into Babylon. They're serving a very, very evil king. I'll tell you more about him next weekend, this weekend. And so one night, King Nebuchadnezzar goes to sleep, and he gets a dream from God. When he gets this dream, the next day he goes to the magicians and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and the seers. Okay? And it's kind of all one and the same. I think there were different categories. You could use the word wise, his wise men, okay? Now, uh, Daniel is now one of these. I, I mentioned it in the text this last weekend. It's three years of training. What he had to do in the three Hebrews is he had to go through three years of training by the Chaldeans. And I wish I had time to tell you everything they brought to the table. All the different cults and, the, and, 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 and all the stuff that you know about today, it, it came from them. So he had to go through three years of training. So technically, he's one of his wise men. So Nebuchadnezzar says to these guys, he said, listen, I had a dream, and I want you to tell me my dream. And they said, okay, tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. You're going to tell me what I dreamed and then give me the interpretation, and if you don't, I'm going to kill every one of you. Now, for some reason, Daniel and the three Hebrews aren't there right now. I don't know if it's their day off. I don't know where they are, what they're doing. They're not there right now, okay? But he makes the decree, okay, go out and start killing these people. And, and, and so they protest, and they get really defiant, and they say, no one can do that. No, you, nobody can do that. On, on, only the gods that don't dwell here can do that. Nobody can do that. And, and, and he's selling, he says, and, and I'm paraphrasing, listen, I'm paying you to be my magicians and my soothsayers. You better tell me my dream and its interpretation or you're going to die. No man can do this. Okay, you're dead. So he gave the order. So they go around to find the others that are not there, including Daniel and the three Hebrews. I'm going to pick up in Daniel chapter 2, verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on the earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing that the king requests, and there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods who dwelling, whose dwelling is not on, in the flesh. Okay? For this reason, the king was angry, furious, gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. They sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then the counsel and the wisdom, uh, then, then the counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch. He's the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill, start kill the process of killing the wise men. He answered, and he said to Arioch, the king's captain. Now, he wasn't there when the king said this, but he's getting the, the memo. He says, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Arioch made the decision he made the decision known to Daniel. Okay, here's the whole story. Let me tell you the story. So Daniel, in verse 16, went in and asked the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. 
Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah, his companions, the three Hebrews, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret. So Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. The rest of the chapter is, Dan, is that Daniel comes to the king, he says, okay, I'll tell you a dream and the interpretation, and he does. Then the king blesses Daniel, favors on him. He has all the favor of all the wise men, the astrologers, everybody. So he proved, and Nebuchadnezzar says he proves that, that his God is the only God. All the other gods couldn't perform at that moment. Our God performed and, got Daniel, and gave Daniel the vision. So he, he had to have a miracle or his life is over. The other three, their life is over. If he did not get the king's dream and interpretation, he was going to die. So remember this, and, and I'm, not, I don't, I'm not getting into this a lot in this series. I'm going to touch it. But part of Daniel's book is it's an end times book, okay? We live in the end of the end times. Two different times in the book of Daniel, God, uh, Daniel says that he sealed them and closed them and rolled them up because it was not for that season. It is for this season that we live in today, okay? And so in, in this end time book, if you read on down in chapter 2 and get to 31, here's the dream. I'm going to paraphrase it. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he saw this huge figure, okay? And its head was gold and chest and arms of silver the belly and thighs were of bronze the legs were iron and the feet of iron and clay mixed loosely here's what he just saw Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know this he's an evil man he just saw world history all through what we what, what we've known as world history he just saw it all right there now he doesn't know what it means the interpretation was and and, and everything that's interpreted has happened in our history and we're living in the last leg of this so watch he said, Daniel said to him, hey, okay, the gold head, that's you, Nebuchadnezzar. That represents the empire, the Babylonian empire. That's you. And the silver chest and the arms, well, that represents the Medes and the Persian empire, the second greatest empire on the earth, Cyrus the Great, who will come in a few years later, and they're going to defeat Babylon. And they're the next great empire for several hundreds of years, and then, then it goes to the belly and the thighs of bronze, and that's the Greek, oh, the, the, the Max, Macedonian Empire under Alexander the Great, and, and, and that's the third empire. And then later, they were conquered by Rome, which is the fourth empire. During the days of Jesus, the Roman Empire ruled the world. They ruled it with iron. There were severe people who ruled the world. And they were not defeated. They fell from within. They were not defeated by an enemy. So the angel is going to tell us here that the Antichrist who will rule in the end of the end time, this Antichrist is going to rule over an empire. And the feet are left out of this thing. So that is representation of the feet. This will be the last empire in the history of world, the world history. And those feet have ten toes, and that represents ten nations. And that's a ten-nation coalition, and it says of gravel and stone that are loosely aligned of powerful and weak nations. 
So what is that today? Today, that is the European Union, and that the angel tells Daniel, hey, that the Antichrist will come out of a revived Roman Empire. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar, he receives these dreams. He's seeing the world history in advance. And, 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 and l l l let me tell you what happens at the end of world history. Okay, I'm going I'm to get into the, the four ingredients in just a minute. Here's what happens at the end of world history. Uh, th th and that's where we're living, okay? Whether it's five years, ten years, forty years, I don't know. But we're living in it now. We're living in the day of the revived Roman Empire. What we see right now is in Europe, there is a loosely aligned European Union and it's made up of weak states and powerful states. And the angel of the Lord said, at the end of that kingdom, the revived Roman kingdom that we live in right now, a stone will come from heaven and crush all the kingdoms of the earth like powder, and that rock will become a mountain that fills the earth, and it will be the kingdom that never ends. That is world history, Daniel. That's what God's saying. That's world history. And there is going to be four world empires. That's what's happened. There have been four world empires exactly the way he described them. The last world empire will be this. We're living in it now. At the end of that, there will not be another kingdom on this earth except the kingdom of God. So the next world kingdom after this revived Roman empire that the Antichrist is going to come in and rule and it's going to rise up, God is going to come and set up his eternal kingdom. That was given to Nebuchadnezzar over 2,500 years ago, and, Daniel, and God gives Daniel the interpretation. Daniel gives Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar, watch, in his wisdom, even though he's evil, he would not tell the magicians his dream because he knew that they would spin it and they would work it and they would manipulate it. So his magicians say to him, no man can do this. No man can give you the dream and the interpretation. Daniel believed that God could tell him the thoughts in another man's head. Listen to me. Daniel believed that God could tell him the thoughts in another man's head. The Chaldeans, the magicians, the astrologers, they served a lesser God. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, this is unfair. No one can do this. Daniel says, hey, king, give me a little time because I'm going to seek. What's he going to seek? the mercies of heaven but I believe my God is able to tell me the thoughts that are in your head and he received the miracle that he need he, his life was spared so from here from Daniel from this storyline I want to show you from Daniel's life what we have I want to show you four ingredients of a miracle and if you need a miracle you may be here you may be listening to me you may need a miracle or maybe you don't need one and you're gonna put this on the shelf or maybe you can take this and give it to a friend whatever you have to do here is why God acted on Daniel's behalf, okay? Here, here's the first ingredient. I, I admit I can't do this. I, I, I can't do this. In other words, the first ingredient of a miracle is this. A problem bigger than a human or a human agency can solve with admission. That the human or the human agency says, I can't solve this without God. That's what the Chaldeans did. That's what the rest said. And, and, and the problem is they didn't give it to God. In the, area, in the arena of when I need a miracle, when you need a miracle, you have to admit I can't do this. I can't try to solve this problem on my own. And there are times, listen, when we are facing difficulties, but a human can help solve it. 
our human agency can. And God put them here. So there's a balance in this. So I'm saying when you need a human or a human agency, you know, sometimes a doctor can, a lawyer can, a CPA, maybe you need a plumber. Maybe I don't know. You need someone to help you sometimes. And that doesn't mean God will not give you the miracle when someone can solve the problems. But sometimes, listen, God will not give us what we're praying for because he wants us to reach out to people. He wants us to socialize with other believers and other people. We need each other. And sometimes when God is telling us no, when we're praying for something, it's not because he doesn't care. It's just because he wants us to need each other. Why? Because every one of you have giftings and abilities. So, listen, I believe this. I believe when you get sick, the first thing you ought to do is pray. But sometimes we need to go to the doctor. Why? God heals through doctors. And it's not unbelief to go to a doctor when you, when you, when you go to a doctor. But what if you go to a doctor and they say, this is incurable? I got a message today from someone who, who, who received that message, basically. There are other people right now in our church. That, that, that's the message. Yeah, we're going to do this, but the, 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 we're just giving you a little more time. What, what do you do with that? Well, well, listen, listen to this. Here's what you need to understand. If you hear that, you've got the first thing you need for a miracle. A human can't do it. Are, are y'all breathing? Yeah. So when you hear this word, it's impossible. This is where miracles come from. This is the, and this is the only part that the Chaldeans and, and the astrologers had right. No man can do this. Only the gods who can, can do it. Only God can do it, but he does it through people who believe he can do it. So if I'm going to get my miracle, I have to come to this place where I say, this is bigger than me, and that doesn't mean it's impossible. Just because it's bigger than me doesn't make it impossible. And as long as there is a God in heaven, there is no such word as hopeless. As long as there's a living God, there's no such word as, as impossible. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. So we've got to lose the language of impossible, or this can't be done, that a human might say. God never says that. In fact, that's miracle territory. Here's the second ingredient. I need, I need alignment with God's will. So, so listen, in other words, God doesn't want that or this is an alignment with God's will that he does want that. It was not God's will for Daniel to die then. He, over, he, he pulls it out. The king, all his authority, his history, he pulls it out. It's not time. And so there was a problem bigger than he could solve, but, but, but God wanted Daniel and those three Hebrews not to die. And, 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 and so what, what's he doing? He is, God is getting the glory himself because Nebuchadnezzar will end up saying he's the living God and he'll give thanks to God and the praise to God, but, but he doesn't want to kill a bunch of people. Sometimes when you're praying for a miracle, you've got to know the will of God. Listen, he's not going to do something because you just want it. He's going to do something because he wills it. Are you, are you breathing? Because listen, here's why. He is the heavenly father. He knows what's best. We don't always know what's best. And sometimes we want something, but he knows that that's not what you need. So God has a will. I need to know his will. Sometimes it's easy to know the, God's will. Like, we know it's not God's will for people to live in bondage or demonic torment. We know it's not God's will for, for people to go to hell. Do you know 100% of the time it's not God's will for people to go to hell? Did, did you know that? 
It isn't God's will for people to starve and live in poverty. It's not God's will for people to live in misery and broken families. It's not God's will for people to live in broken bodies and sicknesses and disease and, and depression and on and on and on. And at times we can see something in our lives and we know, well, this isn't God's will. And sometimes you see it in another person's life and you're, and, and you're praying for a miracle, but understand their will has to be involved. Okay? You need to know God's will. Is this his will? To heal? To do this? To do this? And secondly, your will has to be involved. Jesus, in John chapter 5, he goes to the pool of Bethsaida, and there's a guy who's been sick for 38 years, and he says, do you want to be made well? Jesus knew it's not God's will for this guy to, to lay here sick for 38 years. His destiny is not for him to sit sick for 38 years. Jesus walks up, and here's what he's really saying. Will you align your will with the will of God? Will you align your will with the will of God? When you're praying for a person, even to get saved, when you're praying for someone to be saved or healed, you need to pray that, that God will reveal himself to them and convict them, not condemn them, but convict them so that their will will turn to his will. I think a lot of people think they're Christians, but somebody's talked them into it and said, well, pray this, and now you're a Christian. No, no, no. As you're praying, you need to believe that God is going to reach out with his Holy Spirit and just touch their heart so that all of a sudden they realize, I have to give my will to the will of God. And that's when the transformation takes place. When, when you're praying, we, we, we have to be functioning in the will of God. I'm going to give you an example, okay? There's a story in the book of Acts. And it's, and it's Peter, okay? And, and, and there's a lady, and, and her, her, her legal name is Tabitha, and they call her Dorcas, okay? So in, in chapter 9, verse 37, but it happened in those days that she became sick, Dorcas, and died. And when they washed her, they laid her in, in, an, in an upper room, and since Lydia was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him to come and not to delay to coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the all the widows stood by weeping and showing their tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. Watch what he does. He knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, which was like her legal name, okay? That's like my legal name is Gerald, but my nickname is Jerry, okay? So, it'd be, so he's calling her her legal name, so to speak. Tabitha arrives. She opens her eyes and she sees Peter and she sits up. So why did Peter kneel down and pray before he prayed for her? Because sometimes, stay with me, it's not God's will for people to live. It's his will for people to die. Well, now, we, we don't want to hear this one, Pastor. We don't want to hear that. No, we look at death in a different way than God does. The Bible says that the death of one, is, of a saint of God, a believer of God, is better than the day one was born. Of course, we see it differently because we're on this side of it. God sees it like a homecoming. So if a person isn't saved, now there's nothing good about death. And sometimes what we're doing, we're fighting on earth for a person to stay, and God's saying, well, I'm sorry, but they're mine. <laughs> they're mine. I, I want them home. And it hurts. It does. The loss, the grief. But a mature believer has to say, well, you're God, and I'm not, and I give you the right to be God. And secondly, I'm not going to get mad at you and, 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 and when you do your will, and, 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 and I'm not going to go against you and be mad at you. There are people who get mad at God. I don't know if you've ever gotten mad at God. I'm scared to get mad at God. But there's people who get mad at God, and they shake their finger, and I'll never go to church, and I'll never do this, I'll never do that. So, so Peter's being asked by these people, help us. Dorcas is dead, and, and this can't be God's will. So Peter, watch, he drops down, and he prays. 
Well, what's he trying to do? Juice up? Pump up? No, no, fill me with power, God. I got to pray this prayer. I mean, that's the way some of us think, the way we were raised. No, he's already filled with power. I mean, the day before, his shadow, as he walks down the road, his shadow's healing people. He's not even praying for them. His shadow, he, he, he's already filled with the power of God to do this. So he's, he's not getting pumped up. Here's what he's doing. He, he's saying to God, before he prays, God, do, do, do you want her to come back or do you want to keep her? That's what he's saying. And God said to his spirit, I'll send her back. He got up and he said to her, hey, get up. It wasn't some long prayer line and everything falling out of the sky and this and that and the bells and the whistles and all that stuff. He just said, get. actually, it wasn't a long, it was just a two-word prayer. Tabitha, arise. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead with two words, Lazarus, arise. And, and, and you see, you don't have to have a lot of words when God's on your side. That's us. That's not him. When you're praying according to the will of God, it's really not a hard thing to do. It's really his will. So in getting the miracle I need, I first have to say, this is bigger than me and I can't do this, and that doesn't mean it's hopeless and it can't be done. It just means that I can't do it as a human being and I need God. Secondly, I know this, is, I know this isn't your will, okay, that for me to have this or be sick or whatever this is, and it's, and it's easy for the devil to mess with us and we think, no, you deserve this and this is in your family tree and all that. But we, we, if we know our destiny then we know we're being robbed of our destiny and that's when you have to get militant and you have to stand up and say no way devil this is not god's will i am standing on the will of god and when you're standing on the will of god you got a hundred percent chance of getting a miracle that you need here's the third ingredient of a miracle you need to be full of humility mm -mm -mm. boy could i go down a rabbit trail right here <laughs> full of humility some of us need to be full of humility not even talking about a miracle because some of us run off at the mouth as a Christian when we see things or hear things and we have no idea what's going on in that ministry or that pastor and we're running off the mouth and we're saying things we have no business. No wonder the world just about hates us. We're not full of humility. We're full of opinions. And that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee, maybe. Depends on where you go. I'm so sick and tired of arrogant, mouthy Christians, and most of them, the only backbone they have is to put it on Facebook. And that's a coward's way out, and it tells me you have no maturity at all. You're running your mouth from your flesh, and you're being driven and led by a world called Babylon, and you're just listening to the culture, and you're not praying for someone or interceding for someone. You're judging somebody. It's okay if I talk plain, right? We're family. Okay. Daniel responded to every person. Here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's got to serve three years in a school to learn how to be an evil magician and astrologer. He served him. He serves with humility. He didn't get defiant. He didn't get mad. He didn't get sad. You, you never hear him whine. God, that'd be a miracle. <laughs> he doesn't whine. He doesn't complain. He goes to the king, and, and, and he says, just give me some time. What do you want time for? Daniel 2.18, we've already read it, that they may seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men. That he might seek the mercies of heaven. But wait a minute, that's Daniel, that's Old Testament. Oh yeah? Well, let me show you how it gets better. 
Because in the New Testament, and I, and I refer to this scripture, two verses in it this week, James 4 uh, in, in verse 7 and 8. But let's go back to verse 6 because it, it ties into the other two. James 4, 6. But he, God, gives more grace. And I thought grace was pretty good already, didn't you? He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Then he goes on, we went through the scripture, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Why does God love humility? Why does he love humility? It's honest. I can't do this. I, I, th I can't do this. I can't pull this off. I, I can't go th through this without you. I can't do it. And, and, and the other thing, the reason he loves humility is that I, I, I accept my weakness. In other words, I'm just a sheep. I'm just a dumb sheep. Really? Hey, on our trip, we were in Germany somewhere, and I don't know where we were. My wife could tell me, but we, we went up on this mountain. It was a really cool place, a castle and all that, and they were having a shepherd's convention. <laughs> I'm serious. Not pastors, thank God. Real shepherds. Real shepherds. Some of the most unique sheep I've ever seen in my life, and they had all their clothes and their boots and all this and they have all these sheep dogs i mean it was i, I loved it and then they go over and they're going to demonstrate how to shear a sheep i got it on video it was just a cool thing i showed my grandkids I'm like watch this let, let me tell you this guy for 10 or 15 minutes he's got this big old sheep and this sheep is not fighting and kicking and screaming and crying for mama and i'm gonna change churches and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and i'm mad at you and i'm gonna sue you and all that that sheep is laying his head, her head back in his arm, and he's shearing this side. Then he turns it around, he shears the other side. Why? Because he's a shepherd, and he trusts the shepherd. Humility says, I'm a sheep. i got to trust the shepherd. I can't figure all this out. I don't know why this happened, but, but, but I'm going to trust the shepherd. And, 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 and another thing is about humility, it tells God that you're God-focused. Watch this. Humiliation is focused on me I'm humiliated here's what that means well, I can't do that I can't accomplish that I can't get my finances fixed can't get my marriage right can't get my kids right can't get this I'm, I'm ruining this I'm ruining the business I'm humiliated here's what it means when you're humiliated it means I'm so frustrated that I don't have the ability to fix this but that's not humility humility says I can't fix this but you can I can't fix this, but you can. And I come to you as my shepherd and my Lord and my best friend. And I'm saying, hey, I need you, and my focus is on you. That's humility. God's drawn to that. Well, why does God resist pride? Let me show you why. Because pride is deceived. Pride is a spirit. The spirit of pride is deceived. What does that mean? It believes something that's not. The worst thing about pride is that it feels entitled so you get mad at God because you didn't get what you wanted when you wanted and when you thought it was supposed to come, you get mad at God. And, 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 and you know, this, this goes on a lot of times with people who get mad at God. I don't hear them saying it, but I, I, I'm sure it goes on. I've probably said it too. God, you know I've been serving you a long time. I'm a giver. I'm part of servolution. I, do serve, I, I share my faith. This isn't right, God. Daniel could have easily gone into the presence of God and said, hey, you know we lost our country? You know we lost the promised land? You know we lost this? We're brought here not on our will. You know that we're slaves? 
you know I just fasted 10 days to seek you, and they're about to kill me. Can you give us a break? And God, let me go ahead and tell you something else. It's really hard being your people. It's really hard being a Jew. Could you help us out here? We're in Babylon, and I'm entitled for you to do a miracle. That's not what Daniel did. He sought the mercies of God. He sought the mercies of heaven. Why? Because Daniel understood everything I get from God is a bonus. Why? Because I only deserve death and hell. That's all you deserve. All of us. There's no such thing of entitlement with God because we all deserve death and hell. Therefore, he gives more grace. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Grace is an undeserved gift. So when I get bossy with God, here's what he does, okay? Well, let's just kind of wait till your attitude gets right. You do know I'm God and I'm in heaven. You don't talk to me like that and my son died for your sins and everything I've done for you has been good. But you probably shouldn't lecture me on being God. No, God loves to hear us say, I need you, I can't do this. I seek your mercies, I humble myself. See, the, 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 you'll understand this better because you've, if, if you've raised kids, and you've been a kid, you may not admit this, but, but when you're mad at God, you're just a brat. And you have brat moments. Most brats end up sulking because they didn't get what they wanted. Your kids ever done that? Have you ever done that as a kid? Yeah. Some of you are doing it right now. Uh, you're sulking because you didn't get what you wanted. Can you imagine this? You're waiting and sulking, and God, God comes and says, Hey, son, daughter, I'm so sorry I was wrong. I got a whole lot of things going on in this end time stuff. I was a little distracted on what you needed. I, I, I didn't get you what you deserve. Would you forgive me? Would you come back to church? Would you get back in the fusion group? Would you serve? Ever had that conversation with God? I don't think so. <laughs> Daniel gets himself in this mess, no fault of his own, and the Chaldeans saying, this is not right. There's no king on earth who can ask the magicians to do this. This isn't right. No one can do it. Only God knows the answer, and, they don't, and that God doesn't dwell in the flesh. So Daniel comes and says, well, would you give me a little time? He goes before God says, be merciful, be merciful. Would you, would you give me the dream and the interpretation? Would you be merciful? Then it says the dream was made known to Daniel. So God responds to humility. Here's the last ingredient. I need to be filled with faith. Daniel believed God could tell him what was in another man's head. Just life or death. Don't, don't answer out loud. This is a setup. Do you believe God can do that? See, let me say it another way. Is there anything God can't do? That's not a setup. No. Then every single thing he does in our life, he does by faith. Uh-oh. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God. Galatians 3 2 watch this did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are you so foolish having begun in the spirit you're now being made perfect by the flesh have you suffered so many things in vain 
if, if indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Listen to the statement. If you believe God can't heal you, you're right. He can't. If you believe God can't do what a miracle, you're right. He can't. I'll even go another step. If you believe that God can't change America, you're right. He can't change America through you. If you believe your circumstances are beyond the agencies of God, you're right. They are. Because Jesus said, be it done according to your faith. The Word says he did, not, he did not many mighty works in his hometown, Nazareth. Why? Because of their unbelief. So everything God does in our lives, he's going to do based on our faith. So is there anything impossible to God? And remember, miracles happen in the impossibility arena. So when men say it can't be done, it's incurable, it's hopeless, that's, that's where God does a miracle. And all of God's greatest miracles are done within that area. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So read that scripture with me out loud, okay? Ready? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is literally the bridge between where I am and God's power. It's the tangible expression of how I get from where I am to where God wants me to go. It's mine. I have to have that faith. Well, where does that faith come from? Verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So l listen to me, and I'm not, I'm not picking on them all. I'm not picking on them. I just want you to know something, okay? Just want you, to, you, you don't have to waste your breath and all your energy on, on debating this, but just listen to me. One of the most demonic teachings in our culture today is the theory of evolution. Watch. It's a theory... It can't be proved. It hasn't been proved. It'll never be proved. Why? Because God made the world. God created Adam and Eve, and he created all of us. Here's what God did. He gave a synopsis in Genesis 1 of how he created everything because if he told us, if he even gave us books on the mathematical formulas he used to create a universe that's expanding in all directions at the speed of light at the same time, there would be so many volumes and so many books that if we could read them, we wouldn't understand them. So God gave us the synopsis, and by faith we believe that the worlds were framed, watch, by the Word of God. I'm going to show you why it's demonic. Every centimeter of the universe is held together by the power of God, of the God that we believe in. His Word. He spoke it into existence. That's what it's held together by. And if you don't believe that, then you're a secular believer. You're a secularist. And if you've been influenced by secular thinking... And, and what you believe is, well, you know, there was a cosmic accident and brought the environment for our life and ancestors crawled out of a cesspool and involved in the right, all, that, all that stuff. And, and when you die, you don't go to heaven or hell and all that, all that stuff. You, you know, you just stop being. John Lennon sang the song, Imagine There's No Heaven. There may not have been for him. I don't know. Secular humanists, humanists don't believe that there was a divine beginning and they don't believe there's a divine ending. I believe from the Word of God that everything in the universe is suspended on the power of the Word of my God. And His Word is what holds the universe. He holds that universe in His hands, but that Word is what's holding together. So if that's true, and that's what I believe, that's what the Word teaches, then can He heal my ears? 
Can he heal my, heal my eyes? Can he heal my back? Can he fix, heal my finances? Can he help my loved ones in distress? Well, Daniel believed that his God could tell him the thoughts in another man's mind, and because he believed it, it happened. Jesus said, be it done according to your faith. For Daniel, no matter what happened, he never forgot that his God was bigger than Babylon. Remember what I told you this weekend. When you hear Babylon, you think the world. It's a type and shadow of the world. The spirit of the world. So do you believe that? That God's bigger than the spirit of our world? How big is your God? See, and here's what we won't do. Listen, we won't admit it, but sometimes we feel that our God might not be as big as the terrorist problem or this problem or the financial problems or the political problem. We may think, well, yeah, well, I, no, no, no. We, we wouldn't say it out loud, but listen, we feel it and we respond emotionally and behaviorally, which tells God we really don't believe it. Because we're caught up in what a culture tells us, and we believe what the culture said because so-and-so on that news station, oh, I like him and I believe him, and anything he says is the gospel or she says is right. Or I believe this and I believe that. No, we have to believe what God says. So when I believe that God's in control and everything's hung on his word, if, if you want to change modern-day Babylon, we have to take our cues from the man who, used, who God used his influence to change the original Babylon. And watch, this is what Daniel, and this is my mind, this is what Daniel understand, understood. God is in control of who is in control. Now, if, you, if you're full of fear, you didn't receive that. Why? Because faith seeks God. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let, let, watch. Let, this is, I know this is simple, and I'm out of time. I'm going to finish. How do you know you have faith? And, and, and listen, there, there's every kind of camp, church camp, they'll give you all this stuff. That, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is simple as it is. How do you know if you have faith? You seek God. How do you know if you don't have faith? You seek something else. When you're in trouble, when you're in stress, when you're in turmoil, the place you turn first is the place you have your faith. When Daniel's in trouble, and he didn't ask to go there, he didn't ask to be one of the wise men astrologers, but he submitted, he's a slave. When he got in trouble, he turned to his God. He, he turned to God first. Faith serves God. It's a servant of God. God doesn't serve me. I serve him. Watch. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he, co he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteous with, according to his faith. Listen. In that culture, in that day, Noah was a crazy man. Noah was a weirdo. Until it started to rain. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. He, he, he's, a, he, 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 he's in a country, his, his whole family line's idol makers and worshipers and all that stuff. Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He, God said, leave home, leave this place you're in, and I'm gonna go, you're going to go to a place I'm not going to tell you where to go. 
And he left everything to go to a place and didn't even know where he was going. It was a risky thing to do, but he did it by faith. Faith says, God, what you say, I'll do. Faith speaks according to the word of God. You can tell how much faith you have by the way you talk. Let me end with this scripture. In Mark 11, verse 20, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. They've come by this path already, and Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and it cursed. He said, it's withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Here's what have faith in God literally means in, this, in the original language. It, it means have the faith of God. It means have God-like faith. And then Jesus says in verse 23, For surely I say to you, listen to me, I'm done with this, and when I get here, this is it. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this problem, whoever says to this crisis, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says therefore i say to you who whatever things you ask when you pray believe that you receive them and you will have them so watch here's the ingredients of faith okay it's a problem too big i, I can't solve it i admit god what's your will is this your will concerning this matter matter and if i don't know your will i'm going to seek your will if i do know it I, okay I, then i'm not going to impose my will and thirdly i'm going to humble myself i'm not going to shake my fist at god i'm not going to get mad at god because i didn't get what i want when i wanted it he knows what's he knows what's best and 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 you know i'm not going to have this entitlement spirit and and, and you know he, he here's what i want you to see about this entitlement spirit because everything about fairness and, and constantly reminding god and and others about what's fair if i got what was fair i'd be in hell right now Jesus got what I deserve so I could get what he deserves. And that wasn't fair to Jesus, but thank God I got the, we got the blessing anyway. So, Lord, I, I humble myself before you, and I don't deserve this, but I put my eyes on you, and I say I can't do this, but I'm trusting you. That's an attitude of humility, and I have faith. Others say it's impossible, but you're the God of the universe. You spoke it all in existence. I believe it. That, that's a miracle territory. And so there are some listening to me right now at every campus, online, you need a miracle. And you don't have to tell us what the miracle is. You need a miracle. The good news is God is still in the miracle business. He did it in the book of Daniel. He does it today. It's his desire to do miracles for all of us. We need a miracle. Daniel's the example. When we need a miracle, we approach God correctly. And, 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 and listen, I, I want to do two things before you leave. The first one is you, you should have picked this up in your seat. Uh, it, it's, it's the... 10 days of prayer and fasting, it, it, uh, it gives you some directions, but it gives you the prayer directives. I want to pray over you, those of you who are going to fast and pray for the 10 days that starts tomorrow, whatever you give up, you know, if it's food or anything. It doesn't matter. It's between you and God but for 10 days. But if it's just three to five minutes, just, just pray over this. Pray over this, okay? And so I want to pray and commission you because we're going to pray for our children, not just for this school year, but for their life, for their future. Because they're growing up in the end of the end times, okay? And we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be in fear. We need to trust God, and God has a plan for them. He didn't make mistakes. He knows what kids are supposed to be here. And, and yes, people have killed kids that should be here, but, but, but they're with God. We can't do anything about that, that they're there. We can't reverse that. Secondly, we're going to pray for our government leaders, local to the White House, that, that we, we're going to pray. Listen, 
I said it this weekend, they don't have the capacity to, do, to solve the problems that are, that are here. God has the capacity. So what do they need to do? We're going to pray for them that they're going to turn to somebody that's godly, and God's going to speak through someone and give them godly wisdom, just, just like Daniel did to two different kings. You say, well, that, can that happen today? Sure it can. The Bible says he can turn the heart of a king. Turn the heart of a president, turn the heart of a senator, turn the heart of this Supreme Court, all that stuff. Yeah, he can do it. So we've got to pray for him. Number three, we're going to pray for the persecuted church. Those who are persecuted verbally and those who are persecuted physically. Listen to me. The first century church, they saw this firsthand. We've heard about it, but now it's in our world, big time. Let's pray. Let's pray for them. Fourth, we're going to pray for the unchurched. If I had time to tell you about the unchurched today, we so miss it in church because we don't understand the unchurched. We don't understand the unchurched. The unchurched are unchurched. They've never been in church. They don't understand what we have. They don't understand what we believe. We're in the Bible Belt. We're, we're kind of a little secluded area from the rest of the world. They don't understand that. They're unchurched. So we pray for a revival to revive them. Revival means to come back to what you had and be revived in it. They had never had it. They need to find it. How are they going to find it? They're going to find it in us. So we're going to pray for them. God, use me at work, at home, where, wherever it is. Put me in the path of people, and we're going to pray for people. So let me pray for you, and, and those of you who are going to join this, it starts tomorrow for 10 days. I want to pray for you and commission you to do this, and then I have one thing I want to pray for, and we're out. Okay? Everybody okay? In fact, why don't you stand? Mobile, stand. Baby Nat, stand. Let me just pray for you. Why don't you do this? Just kind of put your hands out like this, okay? At least they're not over your head and you're not wigged out too much. So just kind of put them right there. Like you're going to receive something. Father, your challenge for us to take a time to identify days that we're going to fast and we're going to pray for you to identify specific directives. And from all these directives, we can go all over the path but you've led us to these directives. I pray that as our people join in this, that during this time, you will minister to them, you'll speak to them, that they will enjoy the time with you. They won't have this long face, and everybody knows they're fasting this or that, but that, that it will be just a complete opposite of what they're used to. And I pray for those who have never done this, that they will experience something in their lives they've never experienced, a closeness to you. A, 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 a nearness of you like never before we need you and I thank you that you're calling us to this time together and we do it to honor you in your name and everybody said amen amen, amen. here's the last part listen to me I cannot teach on needing a miracle without you having an opportunity to pray for your miracle notice I said you my initial tendency is to say the ministry team come forward we're going to pray for you but I, I was checked in my spirit to say no I want those who need a miracle I don't, know, I don't want to know your miracle I'm talking about a miracle not what you want but a miracle I want you to step and come and stand here and I want I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray for your miracle does that make sense okay so step out Mobile, Baminette, step out those campus pastors will be there. Come on. You need a miracle. Physical, emotional, family, relational. What, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Step out.
here's what's happening. You've heard the word. That's where the faith comes from, hearing the word. And now you're stepping out. You're being active. You're being pro. And what you're going to do in just a minute is I'm going to lead you, and we're going to, you're going to pray. And you can pray this out loud, or you can pray it to yourself. It doesn't matter. Because when it gets to the miracle part, you may want to keep that to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. But you're going to identify the miracle that you need. You're not going to leave it vague. You're going to identify to God. And you may want to just keep that to yourself or whisper it. That's fine. That's all up to you. But now, here's what I want you to do. Church, I don't know if the cameras can do it. I just want you to look. Just look. This is just one campus. Down the aisles, people need a miracle. What kind of God would we serve who would look at all of you and say, oh, no, I, I did those 2,000 years ago. I don't do those anymore. That's not a loving God. That's not a loving God at all. God wants to, desires to do the miracle. But you've got to identify, I, I can't do this by myself. I, I can't do this. This is beyond me. I have to admit, I, I, I can't pull this off. You're going to have to get to the place where, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be in humility, and I'm going to know your will, not my will, and I'm going to stay full of faith. You take those four ingredients, and you put them in your cup of faith, and God gives us faith, and he gives us a measure of faith. Listen, your measure is going to go up, but don't think one day, two days, four days, a week. No, 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 no. You stay on it. You stay true to it. You just stay in there. You, you remind God. You, you're talking to God. You're staying in that place of humility. And you allow God to do what he did for Daniel. Take the impossible and made it possible. Put your faith in your God. He is the God. He is the living God. And his powers are limitless. Let's pray this together. Bow your heads, close your eyes. In fact, everybody listening, everybody in the room, let's all pray this together, okay? God, I need your help. I can't fix this. And I admit, this is beyond human ability. That's why I'm taking the word that I've heard tonight and I'm using it and I'm expressing to you that I can't fix this. And I want to know, is this in your will? And if it's not in your will, show me. And align my will to your will. And let me be full of humility, serving a God who's going to do my miracle. And may my faith level be full. Help me to guard my ears and guard my mouth so that the spirit of this world doesn't rob my faith doesn't discourage me, doesn't put me in a place of being a whiner, but I speak your word, 
and I agree with your word. And I will be full of faith. And I will see the mountain moved. And the miracle will come. And when it does, you get all the glory. And you get all the honor. And you get all the thanks. Because you're the living God. You're our holy God. And I speak this in faith. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on. Amen. The faith level in this room is like over the top right now. Wow. You guys could climb a wall. There's nothing you can't do right now. You may have to listen to this message over and over again. You may have to write down those points and go over them over and over and over and over again. Okay? You may have to detox your brain because your brain is what tells your mind what to do. The mind only does what the brain says. So you may have to detox that, that, that brain. How are you going to detox it? The Word of God, prayer, faith, positive, believing, trusting. And here's what will happen. When God does what God's going to do, your faith level will skyrocket. You know why he's going to do it? He's going to raise your faith level because in another day, another month, another year, you're going to need another miracle. Now your faith level's here. And then it's here. And all of a sudden, you're in a place where you literally believe everything he says. And when we live in a place where we literally believe everything he said, there's absolutely nothing that can't take place. Absolutely nothing. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm not going to have one foot in, one foot out. If you are, you can't have faith. It just doesn't work. You, you, you can't do both. I, I could go on for an hour and I got to stop. My Lord. Here, here's what I, don't, don't leave. I don't know what you guys are going to do, but they're, they're going to sing something. And I want you right there where you are, I want you to sing at least two or three minutes with them before you bowl out the door. I want you to seal this with some worship and praise. Okay. You know what I mean? I just want you to kind of seal it up. Just a minute. Go. Hit it. Let's go. Do what you're going to do. <laughs> Hurry before they lose it. Just, you can do it right there. You don't even have to come out here. You can stay. You can actually can sing on the back of that place right there. Go ahead. Do it. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Do it right now.
looking for the lady that came up to me a minute ago. She said she's a miracle. Are you still here? Is she still here? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Okay. She went out? Okay. She came up and said, I'm a miracle. She said, July 27th, I had a massive heart attack, told me I was going to die. And she said, I just trust it. I said, God, here I am. If you want me, okay. If you don't. She said, I'm a miracle, and God isn't finished with me yet. She's here tonight. She said, I'm a miracle. Anybody in here got a story you can say, I'm a miracle? I'm a miracle. There's a miracle. Anybody else? A miracle? A miracle? See, hold, hold your hand up. I'm a miracle. See the testimony? See the affirmation? It's not something happened 2,500 years ago. It's things that are still happening right now. God said, yeah, I'm a miracle. I wouldn't be here. This couldn't happen. I wouldn't be here. I'm a miracle. That's the kind of God we serve. And I'm telling you, in the end of the end times, he's got a whole lot of miracle he's wanting to pour out. And you know who he's going to pour it out on? People who have faith. People who are full of humility. People who want to line up with his will. And people who say, hey, I can't do this. God, you got to do this. And when you do that, he steps in and he's God. That's just, it's so hard to wrap our minds around, but that's, that's why it's called faith, right? Right? Okay, I'm going to preach again. So here's what I'm going to do. Y'all go sit down. We're going to preach one more time. No. Okay. Lift your hands up. See, we went from here to here. You notice how I did that, right? Now you're up here. I know some of you, that's a little different. It's okay. It's not bad. It's good, okay? I want you to join me. And let's give God thanks in advance for what he's going to do in the future. Can we do that? Father, we thank you in advance. We thank you right now for what you're going to do in the future, the miracles you're going to perform, the lives you're going to change, our country that you're going to change. You're, you're going to be God, and you're going to be God in our lives and in our homes, and you are the true living God. And we thank you in advance that you have plans, you have everything worked out. You're not out of control. Everything's in control. And you are the God who understands exactly what we need and we trust you with it. In Jesus' name. And the church said amen. So everybody down here, everybody that came down for prayer, you tell at least three people your miracle's coming. Hug them around the neck, shake their hand, whatever you got to do. And if that, do if that doesn't work, ask them to take you to eat. <laughs>